Hey there, Wealth Builders. You're listening to show number two of the Real Estate CPA Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Hall, and my whole goal is to help you understand the world of finance, accounting, and taxes so that your real estate investments and businesses can be run more efficiently and profitably than they ever have before. I hope you enjoy today's show, and if you're looking for a killer CPA to come in and help you out, roll on over to the client's page, set up an appointment. The first consultation is free, and I promise that you're going to learn something. Let's do it. So I received a couple questions about why monthly pricing? Why why am I doing it that way rather than the standard CPA bill out hourly rate, charge you for your tax returns, and then be done with it? And I want to take a minute to explain that before we jump into today's show. Over the past couple of years, I've realized that clients really want that ongoing touch with their advisor. They don't want to just drop off tax returns at the end of the year and maybe have a semi-annual check-in. They really want that constant contact. And so I've kind of changed my model around to reflect the monthly need or, or the constant touch that a lot of clients really do want. And there are plenty of benefits. It more accurately reflects the value that I'm bringing to the table because now it's not just the only value that I bring is preparing a tax return. It's actually throughout the year, the constant advisory services, that's what I'm really bringing to the table. And that's really where the money is to be saved from a tax perspective or to be made from a business perspective is that ongoing business advisory. And from a client perspective, you're going to be really motivated to stay in touch with me on a monthly basis because you're paying for my services on a monthly basis. Now, On a long-term perspective, if we are constantly staying in touch with each other, you are going to realize a ton of value. You're going to get a ton of savings. I'm going to know all about your business, all about your financial lives, and ultimately, we're going to be able to craft some really sweet strategies, really creative strategies, and keep your businesses operating efficiently, which is the ultimate goal. At the end of the day, I want to be a part of the team. I do not want to be a one-stop, drop off your tax returns, and be done with it shop. And that's why I've changed my model. So there are a lot of success stories out there on Airbnb. People getting 40% returns annually on their rentals, something that they could definitely not get on a long-term lease, which is totally awesome. I mean, I've started looking into Airbnb for my own rentals because the returns are sweet, even if the tax liability increases. The big problem with Airbnb rentals is that if you don't structure it appropriately, you could end up paying self-employment taxes on your rental income because the IRS could deem this Airbnb rental to actually be an active trader business that is generating earned or self-employment income. So first, it's important to understand when you actually have to report rental income. You only have to report rental income if you rent the house for over 14 days per year. So if you have a primary residence and you rent out one room for less than 14 days, you don't have to report the income. It's tax-free. You just keep it and, and you call it a day. On the other hand, if you do rent it out for more than 14 days, either your primary residence or your rental property, then the next question is, is it qualified as a passive activity, a passive rental activity, or is it an active trader business? Generally speaking, you report rental income and rental activities on Schedule E. This is advantageous because you don't actually incur self-employment taxes on the net income that you're that you are reporting. But if you're renting via Airbnb, generally you will have a rental period of less than seven days. The IRS automatically qualifies rentals with rental periods of less than seven days as 
an active trade or business that is generating self-employment or earned income, and that needs to be reported on Schedule C. The big kicker here is that if this is you, your income, your net income is now subject to self-employment taxes, which is an additional 15.3% rate. This can be catastrophic for people that do not plan in advance and understand the full impact of Airbnb. Of course, we can also strategize. So if your average rental period is over seven days, but less than 30 days, which if if you weren't in the first category, you're definitely probably in this one with Airbnb, you need to not perform substantial services. Substantial services are like maid services, providing breakfast, cleaning services, basically anything that a hotel would do, you do not want to do. Otherwise, your rental income, your net income will be reported on Schedule C and subject to that 15.3% self-employment tax rate. So again, if your rental period is between 7 days and 30 days and you perform substantial services, it's going to be reported on Schedule C. The the net income is going to be subject to self-employment taxes. Not a good deal. Now, obviously, the simplest way to avoid all of this is to simply have a rental period that is greater than 30 days. If you can't have a rental period greater than 30 days, make sure that it's greater than 7 days. So that, that would be between the, the 7 days and the 30 days, that window. And just don't provide substantial services. So don't come in and provide breakfast. Don't provide lunch. Don't clean up after the tenants. Hire that out. Do something else. You just don't want to provide the substantial services, which are those maid services, those hotel services like cooking meals and things for your tenants. Just don't do something like that, and it will qualify for a Schedule E rental rather than a Schedule C. And that's what we're trying to go for here to avoid the whole self-employment tax. Now, what if you have a rental and you're renting out multiple rooms? And one of the rooms, you are renting it out for less than seven days, so on a weekly or a daily basis. And the other room, you're actually renting out on a monthly or a longer-term basis. In this case, you're actually going to net the rental periods together, and you're going to find the average. So it could very well be that if you are renting out one room on a longer basis, or even one unit if it's a multi-unit building, if you're renting out one unit on a longer basis and renting out one unit on a short-term basis, you're going to net the average rental period together and get your overall average rental period. And then that's what's going to be looked at to determine whether or not you fall into that less than seven days between seven and 30 or greater than 30 day rental period. So this is honestly one of the most unknown, I would say, issues with Airbnb rentals. And I think that Airbnb actually has a couple articles about this and they do a decently good job. But I mean, there's not people don't necessarily go and read Airbnb blog. They just download the app and they get started renting and they don't really consider the potential tax impacts of the income that they're generating. They just think that it's a long term rental. So if this is you or if you know anybody that is kind of in this situation, please either send them to this podcast or at least advise them on the rules of that whole 7, 30, or greater days because it is serious and that 15.3% tax can really come back to bite you. We want to avoid that, and we can avoid it by strategically planning. So it's not the end of the world. And again, Airbnb is a great way to earn a higher return than you would normally with a regular rental. So the second big topic that I kind of wanted to discuss with Airbnb is that 
a lot of these rentals will come furnished, meaning that you will actually supply the furniture, you'll supply the silverware, everything will be in the unit because really the tenants are only going to be staying for a couple of days, a week, maybe a month. But there are tax benefits to furnishing these rentals. You can deduct the cost of the furniture, you can deduct the cost of the silverware. Um, you have to be wary of the IRS tangible property regulations, but generally speaking, these items are going to be deductible. And we'll talk about the tangible property regulations on a different podcast. So just understand that if you if you buy a desk, if you buy a sofa, if you buy a bed, you can generally deduct it in the year that you buy it. It, you, it did not used to be like that, so there's a lot of conflicting information out there. But currently, that's the way that the rules are written. So this can actually be really beneficial, especially from a tax planning standpoint, because let's assume that your Airbnb is absolutely crushing it. You're doing a really good job. You're earning super high returns, but the depreciation, the expenses are not covering that income, and you're going to show a pretty significant income um, come tax time. And, and obviously, we want to minimize the tax liability that this Airbnb is creating through feasible strategies. So one way to do this is to upgrade the furnishings. You could potentially buy better furniture, buy better fixtures, upgrade or repair, mend uh, the structure as a whole. And what this is going to do is provide you with tax write-offs. Now, I always suggest you do this in a feasible manner. So don't just start blowing money left and right. You need to strategically think about everything. Tax considerations in most instances should come second to profits and returns. So we want to focus on our returns first, taxes second. If you're going to go buy a really old piece of oak furniture that could be valued at a couple thousand dollars, you really have to ask yourself, is it worth it from a tax perspective? What am I going to do with this furniture? Is it going to earn me a higher rental rate? If not, am I going to eventually use this furniture in my personal life? If not, why am I buying this furniture? Sure, you might get a discount because your tax savings essentially serves as a discount. But at the end of the day, what are you really saving? You're not really benefiting from this. You're probably actually spending more money than you would have otherwise paid in taxes. So those are kind of the things that I like to walk my clients through whenever they're upgrading a unit, whether it be Airbnb or just a regular rental property, is always understand the feasibility of whatever you're doing. And the last thing that I want to touch on with Airbnb rentals today is that at the end of the year, Airbnb will send you a 1099 miscellaneous. This is the same type of form that you would send a contractor for services uh, or, or for work that they performed on your rental or in your business. Basically, what it's doing is reporting the rental income that they've paid you. But you'll notice that they don't generally report it as rents. They actually report it as other income because what they're doing is saying you have to go figure out whether it's rental income or whether it's self-employment income subject to the self-employment taxes. So if you get this form or you've gotten this form in the past, first, you have to report the income somewhere. It needs to be either on Schedule E or on Schedule C. Second, if you haven't reported the income Go back and amend your tax returns because you really need to do that. The IRS gets a notification with 1099, so they are they are expecting to see some form of income on your tax returns. They're expecting that income to match. And at the end of the day, if you're really just not sure how to report it, there's a lot of information on the IRS website. There's a lot of information 
with tax court cases in the IRS code. If you don't read all that, then come hire a CPA. That's what we're here for. That's what we do. We help you figure out the tax code. We help you account for everything. And that pretty much wraps up today's podcast. Airbnb rentals can be awesome from a real estate return perspective, but you need to be really careful with the strategy of your Airbnb with the average stay with what repairs you're doing, what what improvements you're doing, what furnishings you're putting in the rental. And you just need to make sure that you have a tax strategy in place that you've gone over with an advisor. That way you completely understand what the impact is going to be at your end. All right. Well, thank you very much for listening. If you have any feedback or you would like to ask a question or potentially suggest a show topic, Feel free to email me at contact at therealestatecpa.com. I'd love to hear from you. And if you enjoyed the show, please go leave a rating on iTunes or SoundCloud. That will really help us with our exposure. We want to reach as many investors as possible because we want to help as many people as we possibly can. And we really want to help everybody understand the tax code because it's extremely complicated. And please make sure to subscribe to The Real Estate CPA. It will allow you to stay up to date on content releases, so like blogs, podcasts, as well as webinars and any future events. All right, thanks again, everybody, for listening. I hope to see you next time. B-Hall signing off.